0: third who walks always beside you when I count there are only you and I together but when I look ahead up the white road there is always another one walking beside you gliding wrapped in a brown mantle hooded I do not know whether a man or a woman but who is that on the other side of you Jedi. Who knows, but that's from the poem, The Wasteland, by T.S. Eliot, from 1922. Okay. Alright. Any, thought, any thoughts on a little poetry from The Wasteland?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of what T.S. Eliot did. Did he like do the roadless traveler? Or like he did a lot of stuff. I forget what the... I'm going the to... fork in the road. I'll something like that. He likes roads,
0: I think. Okay, I will stick with that. I was going to look up more at this. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, alright. Well... Let's jump ahead. Let's jump back in time just a little bit. But anyways, the thoughts, any thoughts on that little poem, excerpt I read to you? I wish I had a uh, any idea Jedi that followed me around. But All right. Those are good thoughts. I don't
1: know what yeah. he's alluding to.
0: All right. Well. Time. Maybe. Uh, well, I don't know. Want to get into it, maybe? Sure. Let's All do right. it. All right. All right. This is an excerpt from an article describing a certain situation that took place on... The 20th of May, 1916. Ernest Shackleton, Frank Worsley, and Tom Crean reached Stromness, a whaling station on the north coast of South Georgia. They had been walking for 36 hours in life-threatening conditions in an attempt to reach help for the rest of their party. Three of their crew were stuck on the south side of the island with their remainder stranded on Elephant Island. To reach the whaling station, the three men had to cross the island's mountainous interior with just a rope and an axe in a journey that few had attempted before or since. What island was this? This was um, Stromness. Well, that's the whaling station on the north coast of South Georgia. Okay. Not in the continental United States, to anyone curious. The state of Georgia. Yeah, we're not talking about that. No,
1: no, like the capital state of Georgia. Yes.
0: Like the country. Correct. Yes. To those, I know we both know, but I'm just saying to anyone listening, we're not oh, talking about... Oh, I wasn't sure. The whaling station in Alabama. We're not talking about... We're not talking about that. What? Isn't that by Georgia? In the United States? Didn't you say northeast, though? Well, it's on the north coast of south
1: Georgia. Oh, okay. I much. get I get what you're trying to say now, right? Well, that's not what I was thinking though. That's right. So you just hey, confused me even more. We're having
0: fun here. That's right. I also mentioned elephant. the point is I took out this excerpt because it describes these treacherous conditions they're walking through, which sounded a little complicated. Okay, sounds not good. Mm-hmm. It sounds questionable. How do you feel about walking for thirty six hours? Um, you know, there's things I'd rather do, like straight with an axe and a rope across terrain that is bad. That I'm assuming, you know, if you took a wrong step, you would die. Uh, I do like a challenge. Okay. So... But I think I'd rather do something else. All right. Well, I'm actually here to tell you that there's like this new amusement park where you get to relive what they did. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's called like South Georgia Land. Stromness. It's a ride. Okay. Where it's a giant mountainous area where you just tie a rope to yourself and... Go for it. Hopefully you live. Okay. Okay. The line to get to the ride takes like two hours, but the ride itself takes 36 hours. <laughs> okay. So good luck. Anyways. So that's not a ride. No, it's a joke. I was oh, being geez. silly. I know. I got your hopes up. Sometimes I'm Fear We crush the dreams. That's what I just did right now. But these men were living their best dream. I think. No, this sounds like a nightmare because, um, you know. They made that journey, and by reaching Stromness, they managed to save all the men left from the ill-fated Imperial Trans-Antarctic Expedition. Sounds kind of intense, right? Yeah. Mountainous terrain, 36 hours, cold, sucks, it's terrible. They saved all these dudes, though. But they saved the dudes, yeah. Okay. They made it out. Now, the article continues. They did not talk about it at the time, but weeks later... All three men reported an uncanny experience during their trek. A feeling that, quoting within the article, quote, often there were four, not three, men on their journey. But I only described to you three men. Mm -hmm. But they all thought there was a fourth one along for the ride. Just winging it. Just helping them out, just being there. Okay. Like moral support, just another guy. You know, when you feel like somebody's like looking over your shoulder, or, like your, your proximity alert goes off, and you're like, is somebody around? Right, yep. That's what they felt. Hmm. The, quote, fourth that accompanied them had the silent presence of a real person, someone walking with them by their side, as far as the whaling station, but no further. Shackleton was apparently deeply affected by the experience, but would say little about it. Um, He didn't like to talk about it very much because he said, quote, you know, these situations, quote, are which can never be spoken of. So he felt uneasy talking about this fourth man. Because he didn't want to expand
1: on what he might have thought it was like possibly
0: maybe or just because like, you know, because he was, um, you know, kind of a down to earth, rugged, tough guy. Something that he couldn't explain might have made him uncomfortable. The fact that they felt this other person there. And -hmm. they all felt it too, which is kind of crazy. Okay. It's kind of neat. Now, the men were in a do or die situation. And all believed that a fourth man was helping them fight and claw their way to survive. You know, again, to save the rest of their guys, to save the expedition. But there was no man there. Let's jump ahead probably about a century ish. Sure. Jeremy Windsor, he had been climbing Mount Everest when he suddenly became aware that he was no longer alone. Okay. Quote, After leaving Eric, a strange feeling possessed me that I was accompanied by another. The presence was strong and friendly. In its company, I could not feel lonely. Neither could I come to any harm. It was always there to sustain me on my solitary climb up the snow-covered slabs. Now, as I halted and extracted some mint cake from my pocket, it was so near and so strong that I instinctively... So strong that instinctively I divided the mint into two halves and turned around with one half in my hand to offer it to my companion. Just chilling, eating some cake. Hey, man. You want would you like some oh huh. and then huh well so he tried to offer it to a person or an entity you said mint cake he had mint cake in his pocket yeah i know i, I drew that drew my attention too
1: i mean yeah we shouldn't linger on that no we but. should though because like
0: <laughs> when's the last time you've had a mint cake anyway like not the question chocolate chip yeah i, I guess yeah, moving on anyways well so we thought he was going to offer it to a person Huh. A person. Mm-hmm. He's got some other things to say. Okay. I first met Jimmy on the balcony. Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. Jimmy. A cold windswept snow shelf high up on the southeast ridge of Mount Everest. At an altitude of more than 8,200 meters, our introduction had been brief. With little more than a muffled hello and a few words of encouragement passing between us. Over my right shoulder, obscured by the bulky oxygen mask and the rim of down that smothered my face. Yeah, man. 8,200 meters, you said. Correct, yes.
1: Yep.
0: That's up there. Uh Mm-hmm. Again, sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. And again, he's got his down jacket that smothered my face down wraps. I was sure I could see Jimmy moving lightly in the darkness. But despite him remaining close by me for the rest of the day, I didn't see him again. At the time, it hadn't worried me. Instead, I was warmed by the thought of human company and too breathless to question what seemed so real. If the truth be told, my thoughts were really nothing more than brief flickers of images or sounds that vanished with the onset of each new breath. Jeremy Windsor had met Jimmy during his ascent of Mount Everest. Jimmy was a delightful fellow who helped motivate his new friend. Quote, come on, change your cylinder and get moving. Referring to his oxygen cylinder, Windsor called Jimmy telling him, Hey, man, switch it out. You got to breathe. Yeah. Thanks, Jimmy. Jimmy. What a good guy. He's looking out for him. Good guy, Jimmy. Isn't that nice? Good guy, Jim. Thanks, Jimmy. Now, continuing on to a Business Insider article, Windsor and Jimmy climb together for the next 10 hours.
1: It's nice to have company.
0: It really is. Windsor remembers hearing Jimmy's crampons scraping along the ice, hearing oxygen flow into his face mask, and feeling his weight tug the safety line. Huh. That I guess they shared.
1: Yeah. That's weird.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, it's weird because at some point you like tied a safety line to an entity. <laughs> to Jimmy. Or something. <laughs> or you just feel a weight against yours
0: and that, either one's weird. Right. They talked as they took rests to gather energy for the next push. And then they uh, reached a Hillary step. It's a collapsed final ridge that you have to jump over before you get to the summit. Okay. And uh, Jimmy said, cheerio, and was gone. Oh. Bye, Jimmy. Kept him company for a bit, I guess. He really did. Ten hours, at least. Solid. Keeping him, you know, again, bro looking out for his bro. Mm-hmm. Quote, I was warmed by the thought of human company and too breathless to question what seemed so real. Jimmy was a kind man, with a gentle heart and a warm soul. But Jimmy was no man. He had no heart. He had no soul. Jimmy didn't exist. Okay. What is Jimmy? Not who is.
1: Zach, (laughs) what is Jimmy? I don't know. What is Jimmy?
0: Well, I don't know. Got any guesses? I think we've already established that you're a neurologist. I think that's canon. So, so what, do you, what do you think? What do you think? Man's climbing Mount Everest. Guys were in cold. I mean, well, Jimmy specifically, but I mean, if you go back to Shackleton, they might have seen something too. Like, well, I don't know. What do you think's going on here? I think he's some sort of delightful fairy. Ah, it's amazing. <laughs> Straight from the mouth of a neurologist. Yeah. But the guy's a fairy. Yeah. <laughs> he's nice. Yeah. He's a mystical being. Yep. That's helping a man climb some a mountain. Some sort of sprite. It's amazing. Yeah, not a side effect of high-altitude sickness, anything like that? No. Probably a fairy. Yep. A kind, sprite, spirit, creature of the earth. I mean, even the most ordinary person knows that heights can mess you up. Sure. And cause all sorts of problems, such as loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting. Going on a diet. Excessive flatulation. Oh, yeah. Hello. It's going to be a spicy diet. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Nerve... You get a little nervous maybe, some fatigue, get a little weaker. A big one's a headache, um, with or maybe without dizziness, um, lightheadedness. You can't sleep. You might feel pins and needles. Um, things get a little more intense. You know, peripheral edema, which is swelling of hands, feet, and face. Uh, nose bleedings, shortness of breath. Uh, you know, cardiovascular situations, get your pulse going. I love the symptom of general malaise. I just feel like shit. It's a general malaise, man. <laughs> yeah. And then other things get worse. Pulmonary edema give you fluid in the lungs. F- um, Bronchitis type symptoms. You know, drive a cough, fever, shortness of breath. Cerebral edema again, a lot of swelling. Your fluids don't like being up high. Why not? It messes you up because they're meant to be like closer to like the earth.
1: Yeah, well, they expand. It's fine.
0: We weren't given wings. We're not meant to be high. Oh. We're meant to stay in the ground. Now I will soar. I like your optimism. Optimism's a good thing. Sure. Maybe we'll talk about optimism. I don't know. Also, again, your gait gets weird, uh, more vomiting, and maybe a retinal hemorrhage. You know, this is your eyeball. It's not good. That's but fine. anyways. We're high, man. Yeah, you're getting real high. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, lightheadedness, lack of oxygen, is that causing people to hallucinate? I don't know, man. But even with all of that trouble, it sure seems like something else is going on here. Yeah. And thankfully, some professionals felt the same. And they did a study to figure out what Jimmy was. Well, not maybe Jimmy specifically. Yeah. The phenomena. The phenomena he represents. Mm-hmm. Turns out this happens often. How often? Oh, often <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, often enough. Okay. All right, got some quotes and some parts of a study coming at you. Quote. In our study, we found that there was a group of symptoms which are purely psychotic. That is to say, they, although they are indeed linked to altitude, they cannot be ascribed to a high altitude, cerebral edema, nor to other organic factors, such as fluid loss, infections, or organic diseases. Now, that's Herman Brugger, um, Institute of Mountain Emergency Medicine at UREC Research. and He's an author of the study. Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit. Now, he goes on. In our study, we found um, that was something that we already mentioned. So we go on to talk about... But yeah, for the new study, researchers analyzed records from 83 climbers that suggested potential episodes of psychosis. According to diagnostic criteria in the DSM-5, the American Psychiatric Association's manual that defines mental health disorders. Now, the team concluded that the symptoms from about half the climbers weren't sufficient to qualify as psychotic episodes. This is why I included this, because it kind of breaks it down, because they, they did this study, and... Um, I tried my darndest to find like all the accounts from the study, but the Internet does not give it to me unless maybe I have to subscribe to things. I mean, I'm a doctor, but maybe not this kind of doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. But I I did want to dive into some of that. But we're going to kind of tell you the general synopsis of their study, which I also accidentally downloaded as a PDF like three times. There you go. And I'm like, well, I got that now. I'm a doctor of PDFs. There you go. PDF. Yeah, PhD, PDF. 83 climbers, again, they analyzed. Um, Half, again, weren't sufficient to qualify as psychotic episodes. Now, there are 18 climbers, which ends up being around like 22%. Um, There are psychotic episodes on the mountain, um, along with signs of mountain sickness. So uh, probably, you know, that general malaise that we were talking about, they are just all sorts. But the other 23 climbers, which would come out to be 28%. They had episodes of psychosis in isolation. They did occur at, you know, high altitudes. Mm -hmm. But they had no other symptoms. It was just a psychosis. Just some weird psychosis. Just some weird stuff going on. Um, They would go on to write that these isolated episodes, quote, should thus be considered a separate high-altitude-related disease. That would make it, and this study came out, by the way, in 2018, which I know feels like yesterday, but... It wasn't. It was not. It was a whole century ago. Oh, geez, so long. That would make it a new condition, the one that might inform the way experts understand other psychosis episodes. People endure due to schizophrenia or other conditions. So sometimes, people are just climbing. Mm Mm-hmm. And they see or feel people around them. And they're otherwise healthy and fine. How do you feel about that? I don't know what to make of that. Introducing the third man. It gets its name from the excerpt that I read to you from T.S. Eliot's play. The feeling that you're not alone and that someone is with you. Perhaps trying to guide you or help you on your, lo- on your way. But definitely around this presence, this force. But again, even that study talks about some other related altitude thing. Shackleton's men weren't as high as Mount Everest back in 1916 when they were, you know, roping and axing their way across. Yeah, what year was this guy climbing Everest? You said a century later? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so like pre-recent? It was like 2000, I mean, I think 2008-ish, okay. right around there. I would say. That's when all the reports of him saying that. So I would say early 2000s. True. Because I was looking to pinpoint the exact time, but everything dated to 2008. So right around that period. Uh, yeah, back in six, uh, 1916, they weren't at Mount Everest. Conditions sucked, though. Um, so what's the common denominator here? Well, because the third man, also you know called the third man factor, the third man syndrome, Mm-hmm. The third man. Because, again, it's like if I'm with you, let's say you're, you're um, you know, Shackleton. You've got two guys with you. So, like, you're but not counting yourself. It's like a third man over here. Right. You got Jimmy right there. Jimmy's right over there. Yeah. Who's Jimmy? What is Jimmy? Well, I don't know, because now that I looked at him, he's gone. Right. Yeah. Weird feel him there can't really look at him but you know he's
1: around but it's like that you ever get that sense that somebody's watching you
0: absolutely let's talk about that well i mean yeah it's just a
1: sense and you like look and you're like
0: there's nothing there it's like your proximity alert Mm -hmm. like you're a starship and you're like something's around
1: i mean it could be anything though like when it happened to me earlier today i was outside working in the dark and it could have been i heard something Subconsciously or, or something was watching you Well it could have been anything though Like a raccoon Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant <laughs> And I just yeah. didn't see it like, Yeah like, But you,
0: pick, you still picked it up
1: I picked up something Right Like I heard a, f- a pattern That I didn't even recognize Or something yeah. You know And I, I turn There's nothing that I saw
0: Right It could have been fucking anything though I mean it's a good skill to have You know mm-hmm. when, In our hunter-gatherer days yeah. To right. know something's staring at you Right What the hell's that?
1: To be ready. I mean, because it could have been a predator. And could just the fact that you turn and look that way, thinking it's on to you, may make you go. Eh, it's not worth it. Not right. worth the
0: risk. This guy might fight. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to maybe mess me up. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna he's pass. alert. He's alert, right. I need something easier. I need an easier target. Well, the third man doesn't just visit climbers at ridiculous altitudes. No. No. But what does, you know, again, looking back to Shackleton... Extreme stress, right? You know, I mean, danger, heavy stress and immense danger, mm-hmm. um, which several accounts were documented by John Geiger in his book, The Third Man Factor, Surviving the Impossible. Now, a little about that book. I took this from the description because, I mean, it's quite a book. Okay, It's 300 pages. didn't have time to read it. But after this little dive I took, it might, in fact, become an audiobook I acquire. Because the third man factor is an extraordinary account of how people at the very edge of death often sense an unseen presence behind them, beside them, who encourages them to make one final effort to survive. Is it death just rooting
1: for him not to have to do his job? Maybe death. I like that. It's going on strike. He hates it. He's He's like, like, I don't want to do this. Come on, man. You got this. I'm not going to read. You got this.
0: Go, man. Grab. Reach just a little bit higher. Take your oxygen. Come on. Yeah, put it on, dude. Yeah. Then once you ascend that final like crevasse and you're in safety, he's like, cheerio. Yeah. (laughs) Pip, pip. Off you go. Good luck. I like that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's great. He's like, he's like, my shift's over in like a minute. Come on, man. You can make it. The, Get up there.
1: He's not the Grim Reaper. He's the supportive Reaper. Ah, I like it. The Glee, the Glee Reaper. Here we go.
0: That's what I was looking for. Something like that. The Glee Reaper. There's a whole character you <laughs> invented. I hope you're proud because I'm real happy about the Glee Reaper. I'm not. Oh, <laughs> I'm grim. You're a little too grim. <laughs> you're grim about the Glee Reaper. Oh, my God. You got him, man. Glee, how come your numbers are so shitty? They'll ah. get better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just not his time yet. I'll get him tomorrow. He's the ultimate procrastinator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I Get him next week. Yeah. Ah. And then, like, they're trying to send, like, things to kill this guy. And he's just like, this, hey, the curb's right. You should walk just a little bit faster. Truck runs, runs by, misses him. Whew. Hmm. See? Told you. Cheerio. Good luck. Uh, I mean, it's it's a hey, keep that in mind as we keep talking here. I mean, the fact d- that
1: there's a grim reaper out there means there's got to be an opposite of that, right?
0: Oh my god, yes, absolutely. It's duality. Yeah. There's a heaven. There's a hell. Mm-hmm. There's a grim. There's a glee. <laughs> <laughs> the glee Reaper. <laughs> oh my god, just the happiest fucking guy with a scythe. It's like ah, he like sets it down. Not today. Yeah. This is dull as shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: not gonna use it. Nope. He just turns music on instead. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's you gotta get those ah. This is my song. Yeah.
1: He's got like twenty more years. He's fine. It's like what are you listening to? watch out for that curb.
0: Yeah. Go. And what are you what are you listening to? Oh, you haven't heard Limp Biscuit's new album? <laughs> glee. Yeah. Hey man. It inspires some glee, I guess. It certainly does. I just said that it certainly does Uh it's not wrong but yeah this incorporeal being offers a feeling of hope protection and guidance and leaves the person convinced he or she is not alone again the name of this phenomenon is the third man factor now if only a handful of people had encountered the third man it might be dismissed as an unusual delusion shared by a few overstressed minds but over the years, the experience, I mean, it's occurred again and again to 9-11 survivors, mountaineers, divers, what? polar explorers, prisoners of war, sailors, shipwreck survivors, aviators, and astronauts. Oh, those
1: guys saw aliens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're all right. You're doing good. Keep it up! Yeah, you awesome. You guys are off the planet. Good job! Yeah, do great, Apollo thirteen. Whoop whoop.
1: Mm-hmm. What? They honk their clown horn as yeah. they drive past.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they helps. They help save Apollo thirteen. Yeah. Houston would have a problem. Like, no, you don't. You're all right. It'll no be pro- okay. No problem here. Yeah, no, we're fine. You're just in space. The cold, vast emptiness of space. Yeah. You'll make it. It's fine. Now, all have escaped traumatic events only to tell strikingly similar stories of having sensed the close presence of a helper or guardian. The force has been explained as everything from hallucination. I will save that part for later. Recent neuro- oh, lo- neurological research suggests something else. And again, it goes on to talk about how John Geiger is a cool man, best-selling author. Um, but yeah, he blends his analysis with compelling human stories. Um, such as that of Ron DiFrancesco. the last survivor to escape the World Trade Center on 9-11. Shit. Do you want to hear some of Ron's story? To know that you're the last one that got out, that sucks. You're the last one that got out. And um, there's some excerpts you can read on an NPR article. I didn't quote the whole excerpt because it's like a, it's a bunch of stories and retellings, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a good one. But I took out some key moments from Ron's. Okay. Because Ron um, was on the eighty seventh floor. Okay. Basically, he's screwed. Yeah, he's up there. He's screwed. Um, He had avoided like the the whole stockbroker floor where he was working or whatever is totally wiped out. It's already gone. There's smoke and flames everywhere. People are trying to go down, but there's fire, so you can't go down. Yeah, it was a bad time. Um, So then you have to kind of go back up, counterintuitive. But again, let's overcome, quote. This is Ron's story, um, as recanted by John Geiger, but again, some quotes from Ron, too. And again, more descriptors came before this, but we know what we're talking about here. Quote, overcome by the smoke, he joined others. But a dozen people in all, some stretched out face down on the concrete floor, others crouched in the corners, all gasping for air. They were blocked from descending further in by a collapsed wall. He could see panic in their eyes and fear. Some were crying. Several began to slip into unconsciousness. Then, something remarkable happened. Quote, someone told me to get up. Quote, someone, he said, called me. The voice which was male, but did not belong to one of the people in the stairwells, was insistent. Get up. It addressed Francesco by his first name, Ron, and gave him encouragement. Quote, it was, hey, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You got this. But it was more than a voice. There was also a vivid sense of a physical presence and the telling would go on. "'Somebody lifted me up. "'He felt that he was being guided. "'I was led to the stairs. "'I don't think something grabbed my hand, "'but I was definitely led.' "'He resumed his descent "'and soon saw a point of light. "'He followed it, "'finding his way through drywall "'and other debris that had collapsed, "'obstructing the stairwell. "'Then he he encountered flames.' He recoiled from the fire, but still someone helped him. Quote, an angel urged him along. Quote, there was still danger, so it led me to the stairwell, led me to break through, led me to run through the fire. There was obviously somebody encouraging me. That's not where you go. You don't go toward the fire. No. No. But for five minutes, he was being guided along. Then within moments upon reaching safety, once he got out and done, the presence was gone. Seems like that
1: movie trope where, you know, you had a loved one die. Yes. And they show up to guide you out. Yes. I'm guessing that's based off of it has this whole be. thing. Correct. Like, Correct. You know, that's exactly what it seems like.
0: Yes, yeah, something is coming to you. Something that seems to care about you. Yeah, like
1: Ron lost his. I'm just making things up here. Lost his uncle that was his mentor or whatever, and the voice he heard shows up and guides him through it. You know, it's just right. something
0: you would see in a movie. Yeah, absolutely. So, wait, well, in- interesting. It, it tracks out, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And then there's um. You know, it goes on to tell many stories, and there's, you know, stories about um, people avoiding ice falls. Again, I mentioned in the description the astronauts and stuff, and just, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other accounts in this book where that happens. Huh. So, again, the um, third man factor, it's worth a good look up. I would just, you know, I'm going to. But the point also here is, you know, it's been as old as time, the trope of the guardian angel. Somebody yeah. who just comes there just in the nick of time to save you. That's exactly this. That's all this. Mm-hmm. It's that. Jimmy's helping you. Jimmy. Archangel Jimmy. Maybe he's not that high in the tier, you know. But he's a guy. Yeah. An angel guy. Doing stuff. Quote. Now, if we understand that the third man factor is a part of us the way adrenaline is, then we can start to access it more easily. Again, Geiger explains this stuff, because it's not a hallucination in the sense that hallucinations are disorienting, or disordering, sorry. This is a very helpful and orderly guide. I watched an article, you don't do that, I watched a video um, where he talks about his book, like he was being interviewed and stuff, and he talked about how, like, okay, yeah, so if you're a super religious person, you're going to think it's an angel. Right. But people who aren't religious still have these things, so then they should take comfort in the fact that like, it's an even if like ignore all the religious, superstitious stuff like that. It's just it's, a benevolent it's, being. It's, it's in your biology to create someone to motivate you in a way like because we're pack animals and we can't be alone.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead. I don't.
1: Well, I I yeah. just thought even if you're not religious, it's not an angel necessarily. It's a benevolent being that's there to.
0: Also true. Right. Yeah. Just something, something there to just give you a push. Yep. But then also the idea that like maybe it's like in human DNA. If you're really down and out, to just you just like like an adrenaline again, like how adrenaline allows you to do things that are not normally possible. Like right. I'm gonna flip this fucking car to save these people I care about. Right. Like yep. I'm about to die and I don't have any hope in the world. I'm gonna make up hope. Like you know what I mean? This optimism. Just hope. Comes out of nowhere yeah. correct you manifest optimism and you just go and you're drawn and perhaps like you know you're feeling things beside you or whatever and like you're able to know your surroundings so maybe ron like he just had an idea you know he couldn't go here but we just have to i mean it's fire i can't i need some moral support like i can't go anywhere else except through these flames so let's give it a whirl i'm gonna bring it back to what i
1: first said in the very beginning
0: go ahead it's a force ghost man, all right, Mm Qui-Gon, it's time. Yep. They're going to
1: guide you down the path you need to be on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an astonishing capacity if you think about it, and it sort of hints at this idea that as human beings, we are never truly alone, and we have this ability to call upon this resource when we most need it in our lives. I like that. It's like a boost. It's like a... You can look at it like a video game. It's like, I need an extra... Yeah. Give me some of this potion shit. I need to
1: consult the guide real quick.
0: Exactly. Let me phone a friend. Hey, Jimmy, how the hell am I getting out of here?
1: Put on your oxygen mask, dumbass. Yeah,
0: come on, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You can't breathe. Change that cylinder out. And then I... (laughs) You're almost empty. You're on Everest. And then in one of the... uh, In the Business Insider article, I believe, or the NPR one, the point is... Okay. Yeah. All right. Angels, right? Yep. The third man. Again, the episode, the third man. We only get to know about the hallucinations that save people. The benevolent beings. Mm -hmm. If you don't make it, we'll never know your story. So then someone proposed like, are there maleficent beings just forcing you to your death and then you just die? And then you're done.
1: Yeah. The devil and the angel on your shoulder.
0: Uh huh. One's like, hey man.
1: One's Change like, that cylinder. No, no, no. You are good. You'll be alright. Just you, leave it. You'll be alright.
0: You got this. And then you just die.
1: Yeah. The devil and the
0: angel on your shoulder. I mean, that's a thing. Totally a thing. And of course, also many people think that of course Everest is very haunted because it's just a giant graveyard where people I die. I mean, it, it really is a giant a graveyard. Giant graveyard.
1: I mean, they use corpses as landmarks to get there's, up it. There's green boots. Yeah. like it, it's How fucking wild is that?
0: So what if you're, you know, specifically to Everest, just seeing ghosts? I mean, it could be. You just right. got
1: one really positive one. He's, He's like, like, I'm Jimmy, by the way. Yeah.
0: I didn't make it much further. Change
1: your cylinder, dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I climbed this 100 years ago, I didn't even have one. So you got this, man. I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy. But yeah, the, uh, the third man. But again, optimism. I found an Ernest Shackleton quote because, of course, famous explorer guy type exp- you know, expedition man. Uh-huh. He's got a lot of important things to say. He's got a good quote here. Um, the quality I look for most is optimism, especially optimism in the face of of reverses and apparent defeat. Optimism is true moral courage. Don't give up. Yeah, don't give up. To quote a famous philosopher of our day: "Never give up." Who's that? John Cena. No. <laughs> yes, you, I knew you knew, but that's hilarious. I didn't
1: know that <laughs> when you yeah. put it like that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah.
0: All right. And, like, the third man, you can't see him.
1: Well, Is that why he does the three thing?
0: Is John Cena the <laughs> third man? John
1: Cena's the third man. <laughs> His finish is the attitude
0: adjustment. Hey, man, you got this. Quit being a sourpuss.
1: Man. Wow. You just opened my eyes up to John Cena in a whole different light.
0: John Cena is the third man. Manifest. Well, he's always so positive. He's always positive, and he never, he's always an optimistic
1: guy. Is John Cena an angel? Is he the Glee
0: Reaper? I mean, John Cena may (laughs) in fact be the Glee Reaper. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Shut it down.
0: (laughs) Chef's kiss. Chef's kisses. But uh, yeah, the story of the third man kind of wild concept i look forward to diving more into the book too because i'm sure all the stories are just as wild as that one yeah but yeah
1: that's pretty yeah Yeah, right i haven't heard of that but yeah yeah
0: something just to think about yeah
1: makes a lot of sense doesn't it though with a lot of storytelling things and
0: right yeah like different archetypes and things again i mean you even mentioned like force ghosts but like it all comes from somewhere you know what i mean like yeah well, if you guys have, you know, seen your own third man or John Cena. In person. Or
1: our John Cena.
0: Or if you are in fact our John Cena, email us at Weird and podcast at gmail dot com. Instagram, follow us on there. Anchor.fm slash weird and feared. You can leave us a voice message if you like. Anchor is a pretty cool thing. I'm sure you've heard about that once or twice before. Yep. Um it does allow us to have this podcast, which is a good thing. Very and then good thing. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, weirdandfeared.com. That's not what I'm saying. Patreon.com slash weirdandfeared is where you, you need to go and support the show where the conversations continue. And just stay tuned in. I mean, support us, guys. But uh, season four, getting off to a bang, I think. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. And stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.